0: It's a crime. This information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. This question is from Lou on Instagram. How to properly combat estrogen rebound from prolonged AI or Nolvidex use during extended cycles of 20 plus weeks? Okay, so the first thing is the length of this cycle has no effect on the rebound potential of the estrogen so when you hear people talking about estrogen rebound what generally they're talking about is they stop taking their aromatase inhibitor and when they stop taking the aromatase inhibitor which is a tablet that you take to prevent estrogen effects um, they have a surge in estrogen so what's happening here is the way that aromatase inhibitors work is they work by attaching to the estrogen molecules and rendering them unable to attach to receptors in the body and exert their effects so the aromatase inhibitors neutralize the ability of the estrogen molecule to exert its effects on the body so there are several different types of estrogen uh blockers and uh there's one called a suicidal blocker and this one actually permanently deactivates and destroys the estrogen molecule and an example of a suicidal aromatase inhibitor and the most popular one to use would be exemestane brand name aromasin so this one if you use this there's no uh potential for Estrogen rebound because it destroys the uh, estrogen molecule. So, if you're using other ones, though, other estrogen blockers like arimidex or letrozole or novadex, these blockers uh, do not destroy estrogen. What novadex does is it blocks estrogen in the nipples, uh, specifically and most potently, it doesn't really block estrogen from being able to exert its effects very well in other tissues. It's very selective for the nipples, so it's very good for preventing gyno. Um, that's the way that uh, Novodex works, but then is when you get to Arimidex or you get to Letrozole, those two chemicals bind to the estrogen molecules in the blood and render the estrogen molecules unable to exert their effects in the body so those drugs have a half-life of or an active life in the body of around um, three days around three days four days aromatics and letrozole and then uh they are excreted from your system so what happens is that um the letrozole molecule or the arimidex molecule will unbind from the estrogen molecule and the estrogen molecule will then be able to uh, exert its effects on the tissues. So people can, what they'll do is they'll stop taking their aromatase inhibitor, their anti-estrogen tablets very suddenly. And when they do this suddenly in this way, then the estrogen that was bound up to the arimidex or the letrozole or being blocked from the nolvidex, uh, you know, I don't think that we should include nolvidex in here because it's, it's an estrogen blocker. It's not an aromatase inhibitor or a, it, it has a completely different mode of action. So we're not going to be talking about nolvidex here because uh, it's talking about estrogen rebound and talking about nolvidex wouldn't make sense. Uh, it just it doesn't make sense with its mechanism of action. So what we're going to be talking about is non-suicidal aromatase inhibitors like the popular ones are Letrozole and Arimidex, okay? So what happens is that if you stop taking these suddenly, um, the estrogen that was bound up uh, by those chemicals in your body, it unbinds from the aromatase inhibitor and becomes able to exert its effects again in your body. So the way that you can prevent estrogen rebound from happening is not to suddenly stop taking your aromatase inhibitors, okay? If you're going to stop taking them, you don't just uh, stop taking them on the last day of your cycle and then never take them again, okay? What you do is you've got to slowly taper them off. So estrogen rebound isn't something that uh, is, you know, a big deal with experienced users. You know, no experienced user really uh, experiences estrogen rebound because they just wouldn't do something like uh, suddenly stopping taking their aromatase inhibitor, okay? Um, If you are looking to... Slowly, You know, that estrogen that is in your body, it also has an active life. And it has something called a half-life, which is the amount of time that it takes um, the molecule to be metabolized to half of its peak concentration in the bloodstream. Okay, that's what half-life means. Um, Which means half of its peak blood levels be destroyed and then... It goes on and on from there until it's out of your system completely. Um, And the way that you would prevent any estrogen rebound from happening would be that you would take those aromatase inhibitors like aromadex and letrozole, and then you would slowly taper them off. You don't just stop it immediately, okay? So if you're on a cycle and you're done with your cycle, it's the last day of your cycle, don't uh, just... Stop taking the, you know, like, say, for example, you were taking D-ball and you were taking Arimidex to block estrogen, okay? So now, if you just stop taking the Arimidex and the D-ball on the same day, you may have some estrogen rebound. When the estrogen created from the D-ball that was being bound up and unable to exert its effects in your blood and in your body by the Arimidex or Letrozole, once um, that... Letrozole or Arimidex is then metabolized and gone from bloodstream. You know it can uh, detach from those estrogen molecules that were created from the D ball, and then the estrogen can be free in your blood again um, to exert its effects. So basically, what you do is instead of just stopping the uh, like for example D ball and Arimidex on the same day, what you do is you'd stop the uh, the D ball, and then you would taper down the Arimidex. So say you were taking D-ball at, uh, you know, you're taking the D-ball and then you're taking the Arimidex at one milligram per day, every day or something. Okay. Now, you know, for the next week, take half that amount and then you can stop taking the Arimidex. Okay. And that will prevent any uh, estrogen rebound from happening. Um, But really, estrogen rebound isn't really a thing. That's kind of more of something that's talked about on the Internet rather than something that's really experienced in real life. Um, as far as estrogen, you know, estrogen side effects, they don't just come up overnight, and they're not like something that's just going to like bite you in the ass overnight where you have no time to react, okay? You always have time to react to estrogen side effects. So the way that they start presenting themselves would generally be um, – in a enlarged prostate where you were having trouble peeing or when you did pee the pee stream was uh weak or itchy burning nipples okay and when you notice effects like that you need to take your anti-estrogen tablet okay and if you don't if you notice those effects and you don't take any anti-estrogen tablet and something like 48 hours goes by well then you're going to be running into permanent side effects okay like uh breast formation breast tissue formation of uh, enlargement of glands underneath your nipples okay so it takes about 40 48 hours though for those initial symptoms you know you may wake up one day with itchy burning nipples right so that's the initial onset of estrogen symptoms but you have until those become permanent you have about 48 hours to react, okay? So it's not like you're gonna wake up one morning and you're going to have uh, tissue, gyno, that wasn't there before. Um, that's not the way it works. You have some time to react, okay? So estrogen rebound, um, you're not really gonna experience that. Um, that's kind of an internet thing that people talk about on the internet. It's not something that happens in real life much. And basically, the rule with the aromatase inhibitors, uh, the anti-estrogen tablets, is when you experience the symptoms of having elevated estrogen levels, take the tablet, and within one to two hours, those symptoms will go away. Okay, Som Chai asks a question, obviously from Thailand. Hey, bro, would these subs be enough for health during test-only cycle, NAC? which is a liver supplement b3 niacin of course i have omegas and vitamins etc also but would i need some liver support also okay well the thing here Sam chai is that you are doing a testosterone only cycle and uh, that means that you're using injections so injectable testosterone does not stress the liver the reason why oral steroids do stress the liver is because they have to contain a mo- an alteration a modification to the steroid hormone molecule called 17 alpha alkylation okay because everything that you put in your mouth any kind of chemical has to be processed by the liver which is a metabolizer a, the liver contains enzymes that metabolize or break down and destroy things okay so because if you take something through your mouth it's going to have to go through your liver if you just took something like testosterone um it would be destroyed by your liver okay and so the way around this is adding this uh chemical modification to the hormone molecule called a 17 alpha alkylation and what that does is it strengthens the hormone and makes it be able to go through the liver without being broken down and destroyed and it does it very very effectively so that you know if you took a hormone uh, through your mouth and it didn't have a uh, you know if you took like raw testosterone through your mouth uh, by the time, if you took a hundred milligrams, you may only get one milligram of that, you know, in your bloodstream, the other 99 milligrams would be destroyed by your liver. But if you use something, um, with, you know, if you used methyl testosterone, which is testosterone with a 17 alpha alkylation modification added to it, it would not be broken down and you'd get about 90% of that or more. Um, of those of the milligrams that you took in your blood undestroyed by your liver. So since you are using injectable testosterone, you are bypassing this whole mechanism and your liver will not be stressed from taking injectable testosterone. Now you didn't tell me uh, how many milligrams you're going to be taking for the test cycle. Okay. But generally Uh, Testosterone injectable testosterone with nothing else with no other steroid hormones included is one of the best uh, cycles for your health that you can do because testosterone is a bioidentical hormone and uh, it's made for human bodies. Um, the rest of the steroids are hormones that are based off of testosterone or progesterone or estrogen. Um, and then they have modifications that, that were done by scientists in a lab. And so they are not natural to our human bodies. And that's the main reason why they have a pretty potent health side effects. So the main thing actually with testosterone that could hurt your health is having elevated estrogen levels. Uh, because estrogen is a carcinogen, it causes cancer, um, it also can, uh, it has a lot of, you know, acne effects, it can blow up your prostate, it has a lot of uh, bad effects in the male, and even in the female, you know, it gives them cancer. Um, so, the main thing on the testosterone only cycle is that you want to make sure that you keep your estrogen levels in range. And you don't want to do this by taking an estrogen blocker, okay, estrogen blockers, prevent you from experiencing estrogen symptoms, but they don't actually destroy the estrogen molecule or render it in, ineffective or unable to exert its effects in your body. So what you're going to want to do is take a Rimadex, letrozole, or exemestane. Um, what you can do is you can take your blood work and see if a certain dosage of those chemicals such as two or three tablets per week keeps your estrogen in range or another way that you could do it is you could take those tablets whenever you feel estrogenic symptoms and those symptoms will then resolve within one to two hours but as far as support supplements you don't really uh, need any support supplements for a testosterone only cycle. Um, absolutely taking omegas and uh, vitamins is good. Um, you know, you can take the other supplements that you mentioned as well, but um, you know, the the thing that is going to be the the most hard on your health, you know, that could elevate your blood pressure or something like that is going to be high estrogen levels. Again, uh, that is the most uh You know, that's the danger. That's the unhealthy part of using testosterone because the high estrogen levels are also going to cause you water retention. And uh, the water retention is going to cause your blood pressure to rise. Okay. so as far as you worrying about your health, uh, with your testosterone only cycle. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to take those uh, vitamins to live a healthy lifestyle where you do cardio, where you do weightlifting where you eat a clean diet that's uh, free from, uh, you know, garbage, unhealthy foods. And then, um, you know, keep your estrogen in range and uh, you should be good. Okay, Harby asks, I bought androxon oral yesterday, but not used that yet. What do you think? And uh, so what androxon is, is it's a tablet or a gel capsule of testosterone undecanoate so this goes back to what i was talking about about um, having a 17 alpha alkylation to make oral steroids not be destroyed by the liver um and that's the reason why um, oral steroids it's one of the reasons why they're different than injectables because they have to pass the liver so androxon, what it is is it's a non-17 alpha alkylated steroid that is supposed to be used orally so the problem with this stuff is is that it gets destroyed when you uh put it in your mouth your liver destroys it because it doesn't contain in 17 alpha alkylation it's only going to give you very very modest increases in testosterone and it's mainly used and prescribed for old men um because of the fact that by the time that that uh testosterone undecanoate which it does not have that um 17 alpha alkylation on it gets through your liver. It's pretty much completely destroyed. So, you know, you may get You know a maximum of 10% of the ingested dose Actually active and available in your bloodstream the rest will be destroyed um, on its way there so you know as far as testosterone tablets, you know anything like uh, androxone or uh There's another type of um, testosterone tablets. Whenever you see that, a lot of times it's going to be testosterone undecanoate. And, uh, you know, it really doesn't work good. Injecting testosterone undecanoate works really well because then it doesn't have to go through your liver. Um, But for uh, tablets, it works uh, terribly. It's very, very poor, not effective. So uh, what? yeah it's it's not effective the only as far as tablets go the only uh testosterone that is effective is methyl testosterone okay because it does contain the 17 alpha alkylation that allows it to survive the liver um another option uh because you know a lot of times people say that you know their oral only cycle um, sucked or gave them like sexual side effects so Um, That's mainly because of estrogen, and if you don't have estrogen at all, zero, your sex drive will be destroyed. Um, So if you take an oral only that is good at building muscle, and it also produces estrogen like D-ball, that would be another option for someone that uh, does not want to do an injection, but they want to get the effects and the uh, gains of testosterone from taking tablets. They could take 10 to 15 milligrams of metandione, methandrostenolone, dianabol. Those are all uh, different names for the same thing. They could take that daily, and they would get uh, muscle-gaining effects from that, Um, and they would also have, uh, you know, they wouldn't have their sex drive be destroyed. Okay, Pat asks, which do you prefer with TRT, metformin or yohimbine? Well, this really has to do with um, your goal. And um, he also let me know that he wants to lose fat, especially around his belly and chest. That's the main reason why he's wanting to use metformin or yohimbine along with his TRT. So metformin is a insulin sensitizing drug. It helps people with diabetes, not have diabetes. And the way it sensitizes you to insulin is it makes your muscle cells, not your fat cells, more sensitive to insulin, which means that the carbohydrates you eat um, are heavily um, pushed towards going into your muscle cells. And it's easier for them to get into your muscle cells. And at the same time, it's not easier for them to get into your fat cells, okay? And it also does things like reducing the absorption of the carbohydrates that you eat and the fats that you eat by 30%. So you eat the same amount of food, but less actual energy gets into your bloodstream. Um, It also gives you diarrhea for the first two weeks that you take it. And then that goes away. Um, So metformin is pretty effective for weight loss. And that initial first two weeks that you take it and you have diarrhea, well, you're not really going to be absorbing much of your food. So you're going to be losing weight because your body isn't going to be in taking much energy from the food that you eat. Uh, So it is very effective for weight loss, but it shouldn't be taken without testosterone because it reduces natural testosterone by 60%. So it's a good thing that you're taking testosterone with the metformin, Pat, uh, because you won't have any problems with metformin reducing your testosterone levels since you are replacing your testosterone with injections. Okay, so then he uh, went on to ask, Uh, Can I still use Yohimbine for weekend early cardio or just stick with Metformin? And uh, the answer to that is, yeah, absolutely. You can still use Yohimbine. So Yohimbine is more of a stimulant um, and Metformin works, like I said, on a totally different mode of action. Um, It works on a mode of action with your digestive system, whereas Yohimbine works by stimulating your body and causing your fat cells to reduce or re, to put triglycerides into the bloodstream uh, for your muscles to use for energy. So yohimbine know, kind of puts you into a fight or flight response when you begin taking it. And uh, the way that that works is that about 10 to 15 minutes after taking the Yohimbine tablets. And, uh, you know, if if you're using the Yohimbine for fat loss, you should take a minimum of 10 milligrams per dosage. And it must be taken on an empty stomach for fat loss uh, because there can be no insulin present in the blood or else it cannot function the way it's supposed to. OK, so the Yohimbine must be taken on an empty stomach in order to burn fat. And when you do do that, it's very effective. And it also will blunt your appetite. About 10 to 15 minutes after you start taking the Yohimbine, you will start to shake. You'll get the shakes, and you'll also have some chills. Um, your blood pressure drops a bit because it's a vasodilator, which means that it makes your uh, blood flow more easily by relaxing your veins and arteries. And, uh, yeah, it's very effective for cardio. So Yohimbine, since you know. I think that the reason why you were asking, you know, is it okay to stack the Yohimbine with the Metformin is because if you're doing something like taking caffeine and taking Yohimbine at the same time, which are two stimulants, that might be a bit much and you might get some anxiety from doing that. Um, but stacking the Yohimbine and the Metformin, uh, they're not going to it's not going to bother you because the metformin isn't a stimulant. So the Yohimbine works on a totally different mode of action. So that's fine. That's totally fine to do that stacking with the metformin. Um, And uh, yeah, the Yohimbine is very effective for fat loss. The way that you should use it is you should take the tablets, take at least 10 milligrams, but you know, 20 milligrams is uh, the dose that really is potent for fat loss, but 10 milligrams is the minimum dose. Okay. For fat loss. And you take this on an empty stomach. It's best to take it when you first wake up. Uh, First thing that you do is you take the Yohimbine. 10 to 15 minutes later, uh, you start to shake and get the chills, which is your body going into a fight or flight response in response to the Yohimbine, which means that your fat cells start releasing their stored triglyceride energies into the bloodstream. And then you want to go for a walk. Uh, to burn up those triglycerides that are then triglycerides or fat molecules that are floating around in your bloodstream so that they don't get reabsorbed into your body. So go for a walk uh, for 30 to 45 minutes. And uh, after you start to notice the, the shaking and chills from the uh, Yohimbine, go for that walk, burn up those uh, fat molecules that the Yohimbine has released into your bloodstream. And uh, yeah, burn fat like that. It's great. It's great. You take it on an empty stomach. And you do cardio with the Yohimbine, and it is an incredible fat burner. Um, it is roughly 50% as effective as clenbuterol for burning fat. Um, roughly, guys. That is, a, that is an estimate. Okay? Roughly. Matt asks, Is there any real way to fully mitigate against testicular atrophy, or is it inevitable? Okay. Uh, he also asks, can they regrow once they've shrunk your testicles your balls and the answer is yes so i had shrunk testicles for quite a long time of my steroid use and then uh eventually i got sick of that okay i got sick of it because it's not why i signed up to do this okay um i don't like it And, uh, I don't want it. So I did what was necessary to stop that from happening, which was taking HCG year round. So HCG human chorionic gonadotropin is, um, it's very similar to the chemical luteinizing hormone that your pituitary gland releases, um, to cause your testicles to function and produce testosterone and sperm. So, what you can do is you can take HCG and it causes your body to believe that this signal from your pituitary gland that causes your testicles to function is happening when it 's not because when you take steroids the uh, the signal from the signal to cause your testicles to function stops okay and so what happens is that when your testicles don 't have any signal signal to function anymore. They stop producing testosterone and they stop, uh producing sperm. And what they do is they shrink because they're not being used. Okay. And the shrinking, it's not actually that they're being destroyed. It's not like, uh, you know, they're shrinking because parts of them are being destroyed. That's not the way it is. It's actually, they're just going into hibernation because they're not working anymore. So as soon as they have that signal again, uh, to, to work, Then uh, they go back to full size. They start producing testosterone and they start producing sperm again. Um, So once you start taking HCG, you can still have um, functioning testicles producing sperm and producing testosterone while using steroids at the same time. Um, And this is why I started taking 500 IU of HCG year round because I didn't want to have um, small shrunken testicles that were dysfunctioning not functioning anymore so i started doing that and uh, ever since i started taking 500 iu of hcg year-round my testicles have been natural normal size again even though i still use steroids so that was a good decision and uh, i like doing it uh matt had another question how long should a kick in period be if I were use six weeks of D ball oral cycle? So he's talking about D ball only. I am 83 kilograms, 14 ish percent body fat right now. How much weight should I expect to gain? Okay, well, you got to let me know how many milligrams of uh, D ball you're expecting to use if you're using a D ball only cycle. I'm guessing that you're probably planning like 25 or 30 milligrams per day. And yeah, you're going to make gains on that. Um, so the thing with with roids, dude, is that they work really good when they're in your blood. But when they're not in their, your blood, your body has no reason to really, like, maintain uh, the gains of the steroids. So you start uh, slowly reverting back over time. You can't take steroids and then uh, expect to keep the gains from taking the steroids indefinitely. Um, the same way that you can't go to the gym and work out and then stop working out and then expect to keep the gains that you made from working out. Okay, so with the with the steroids, one of the reasons why a lot of people do what's called blasting and cruising, where you do a high dosage steroids to gain muscle and then you just take a low dosage of testosterone to maintain the muscle is to make it so that the muscle that you built while you were on cycle doesn't go away when you're off cycle. so people will take a, a a small dosage of testosterone year round or most of the time during the year, in order to do that. Um, you're a beginner though, and I know that that's not what you want to do. Uh, but so let's go let's go into your your question. How long should a kick in period be? If you were to use six weeks of D ball oral, um, you know it's only going to take a few days. Uh, D ball, you see the effects on your body and notice the effects in the gym after two to three to a maximum of four to five days. The onset is very quick and you get a cosmetic effect from having the hormone, the chemical in your bloodstream. And the, the cosmetic effect uh, fills your, your muscles up with a lot of water and fuel storage. And so you look much bigger and more muscular only days after taking after you begin taking the tablets. It's not actually muscle tissue. That uh, you gained. It's just fuel storage inside of your muscles that you gained, Uh, but you will within um, something like five, four or five days after you begin taking those tablets, you will appear as if you put on five pounds of solid muscle because of those uh, storage factors, those energy storage factors that are going to be inside your muscles. And um, the main thing the main thing with making the gains that are going to be the muscle tissue because people say things like you know I pissed out my gains after the D ball cycle what they're talking about is those after they stop taking the D ball you know their body has no if they have no chemical in their blood anymore then their body has no reason to hang on to those uh, storage factors the extra water and the extra carbohydrate glycogen fuel storage that's in your muscles making them look so much bigger so they didn't actually gain muscle tissue they just gained the cosmetic effects of taking the drug and that's what they mean by i pissed out my gains after i stopped taking the d-ball the way to make tissue gains where it's actual fiber muscle tissue is to increase the weights that you're lifting in the gym and the number of reps that you're lifting those weights for okay um Increasing your strength and the amount of reps that you can do uh, weightlifting for is what creates muscle fiber tissue that doesn't go away. Okay, so if you started out lifting, let's say you were lifting eighty pound dumbbells for the the bench press, you were doing a, you were doing eighty pounds in each hand for the bench press at the beginning of your cycle. You would want to make sure that you know six weeks later you were le- using. You know 95 pound dumbbells in each hand for the same amount of reps um, and then you will have guaranteed that you built up actual muscle fiber and not just a uh, muscle fuel storage okay um, and then when you came off the cycle you would notice uh, increase in the size of your muscle fibers um, and that would stick around for several months until you know if you decided to be natural for a long time you know you would eventually revert. You would lose the gains and revert back to uh, more of a natural body. You may, um, you may retain a couple pounds of muscle from the cycle, but uh, not too much. So the main thing with the, the steroids, again, is if you want to look like you're on steroids and have steroid muscle gains, then you pretty much got to have the uh, steroids in your blood uh, or else your body will be going uh, back towards You know slowly over time going back towards what you looked like naturally and that's what happens to everyone when they go off cycle is they maintain the gains but slowly over time the gains go away and they go back to looking like a natural person not on steroids because that is the case they are not on steroids it's the same as if you uh, worked out in the gym and then stopped working out your body doesn't keep the gains from working out uh, slowly over time. You lose those gains if you don't keep doing what you did to get the gains in the first place. And uh, that's the case with the the steroids and with the D-ball. Okay, Muscle Trust asks, Yo, is 10 milligrams D-ball every day safe from toxicity? I have a friend who claims it is. What do you think? Well, my answer to this is that In the 60s and in the 50s, when methandrostenolone, metandione, dianabol, those are all names for it, was invented, there were doctors that were prescribing it for hormone replacement therapy. And so that means testosterone replacement therapy. They were using that instead of injectable testosterone to give men that needed hormones their hormones okay and what they were doing was they're prescribing 10 to 15 milligrams of deandabol per day and you asked is 10 milligrams safe from toxicity and um you know it could give you some toxicity over time but it would take a long time it would take months on end before you would notice any uh negative toxic type of side effects from doing that however If you were taking something like 50 milligrams, you could notice uh, signs of toxicity such as tiredness um, and uh, no appetite and uh, a bad mood, just generally feeling like totally dog shit. Uh, If you were taking, you know, 50 milligrams, those could begin as far as soon as like four or five weeks after taking it, okay? But at a dose of 10 to 15 milligrams per day Um, you will not be feeling those kinds of effects for, uh, unless you have some kind of pre-existing health issue, you won't be feeling toxicity effects, uh, for, you know, months, you know, I, I wouldn't think that there would be a problem in doing that. You may, you know, you may never feel any toxicity effects, but you might, um, the only way to really deal with that or to know for sure would be taking your blood work while you were doing it. But in general, you know, like I said, this has this protocol that you're talking about has been prescribed by doctors in the past, you know, to be on that long term indefinitely, taking ten to fifteen milligrams Dianabol per day for hormone replacement therapy and not cycling it. This is something that has been prescribed by doctors in the past. So there you have your answer. Synthol Deadlift asks. Have you noticed any physical non muscle growth on HGH like larger hands increase in height, etc. And yeah, I have used pharmaceutical grade growth hormone for, you know, a year straight. I'm not on it now. Um, That was back from in 2017 and 2018. I used Norditropin from four to six IUs per day for one year. and. You know, I didn't notice any head growth or any hand growth or any foot growth. Um, Yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice anything like that. I did notice massive uh, muscle growth and quality and increase in separation. And to some extent, those uh, effects have stayed with me um, since using that. Um, But you know i really think that you need to be taking around 10 ius per day to start getting these uh effects that are like acromegaly like effects um you know 4 to 5 ius per day of growth hormone is actually what teenagers are producing during their uh during their high growth years when they're when they're growing the fastest when their bones are growing the fastest so it's not really an acromegaly type dosage. It's when you are going 10 IUs and above. That's when those uh negative side effects start to happen. And the tap out point for muscle gains really where the effects, you know, they're where they're the best, like the you know, the the best effect with the least risk on growth hormone is really around like six IUs per day of pharmaceutical grade growth hormone. That's uh, when you take more. Yeah, it gives you better gains. It gives you better fat loss, but not in the same way. It doesn't do it that much better. You know, it does it better, but it doesn't do it like boatloads better. And that's also when you start getting side effects from having, you know, really high growth hormone IGF one levels like your feet growing, your hands growing, your head growing, things like that. and a lot of people do take um you know, ten IUs or more. You know, one vial of growth hormone is usually ten IUs and so taking one vial a day is uh not too uncommon for uh bodybuilders who are really big or bodybuilders who are really serious about what they're doing. Um bodybuilders take up to 100 IUs of growth hormone per day it's very very foolish and that's guaranteed to give you acromegaly if you do something like that Um, but bodybuilders experimenting from anywhere from 10 to 30 or 40 IUs per day of growth hormone um, is not unheard of by any means it's actually pretty common Um, if you talk to enough people who are bodybuilders you will find ones who have, uh, experimented with and done stuff like that. And, you know, it's those kind of dosages where you have more IGF one than is necessary, you know, way more than combined to the, uh, you know, muscle tissue cell that you've broken down in the gym to help repair it. If you've got way more, um, IGF one in your blood, than whatever, uh, You know, you need to help repair your muscles from your workout and produce more muscle cells. Well, then that's going to spill over to other body tissues. So bone, organs, you know, gut growth, uh, feet growth, head growth, hand growth, stuff like that. Um, So that's from taking excessive dosages. But if you stay in the area of two IUs, four IUs, five IUs, uh, generally, unless you uh, are... For some reason very genetically susceptible you're not going to be having a lot of acromegaly type uh, growth hormone effects Okay, vintage black ass. All right. I'm 21 and I want to hop on steroids I'm wondering if 150 milligrams testinanthate weekly year-round combined with two blasts one of around 250 to 350 milligrams testinanthate alone and another with 40 to 50 milligrams anivar and 250 to 500 milligrams test in the winter would be fine. All right. Well, the first thing is that whenever you're taking gear, you are going to be risking some of your health a little bit. Are you going to be risking it very much, especially with the cycle that you said that you're going to do? No, you're not going to be risking your health very much. That's very, you know... Compared to what you could be doing, that's very safe. And as far as like your blood, um, blood markers, and everything too, the cycle that you cycles that you listed off and your plan is a very conservative plan. And if you got blood work done while you're doing that, it isn't going to look terrible. It, you know, it's going to look okay. Um, so a lot of guys they want uh, confirmation. They want someone else to tell them uh, what what you're doing is okay. But really, the only one who can really tell you like whether what you're doing is okay or not is you. Um, if you look for other people to tell you that confirmation of whether your cycle is okay or not, um, you gotta maintain that 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 the responsibility for what you're doing is you. You're deciding to do this. You're making this decision to use steroids, and uh, you know there could there probably will not be health consequences to the plan that you have. Uh, at least very significant health consequences, you know, if any, but, um, you know, it is still you making that decision to expose yourself to the risk. So when you ask, uh, would it be fine? I just want to let you know that, uh, everybody who does this needs to make sure that they are, uh, fully aware and, uh, responsible for what they're doing, uh, making that decision and being confident confident and comfortable with the decision that they made to use steroids. No one else can make that decision for you. Um, as far as your gains on those cycles, I like the idea of doing testosterone and anthate weekly at f- 150 milligrams year-round with those two conservative blasts. Um, if you do 250 to 350 milligrams testinanthate, that's not a blast. I know that you called that your blast, but... The gains that you're going to make on that are going to be very, very conservative. So, I mean, you won't notice a huge difference from the 150 milligrams testosterone going up to 250 milligrams testosterone. Um, You're going to need more like, yeah, 500 milligrams to really like notice a difference. Like you will grow very, very slowly on the 250 to 350 milligrams uh, test alone. Um, And 150 milligrams per week, you won't really gain... Anything more than what you would naturally So then 250 to 350 milligrams Would be that threshold where Now you can start to gain more than you could Naturally Um, And then the 150 milligrams yeah would just be Maintaining what you built when you're Doing the more but you're not going to get Any kind of explosive gains Or uh, really radical size Gains off of 250 to 350 milligrams test E Only per week Um, It's going to be This would be something that you'd you know, need to be doing long term this kind of lifestyle with the hormones, you know, basically over years and you would slowly uh build up a, you know, really incredible physique maintaining this kind of a protocol over uh months and years. Um and the forty to fifty milligrams anovar with the two fifty to five hundred milligrams uh test would be a lot better. So as far as making some kind of explosive muscle gains and having uh you know, explosive performance in the gym where your performance, your weightlifting, your strength, the amount of reps that you could do would be going up a lot. This would help a lot. So the magic combination uh, for explosive gains uh, in bodybuilding is the combination of testosterone with anabolics. So they these... Anabolics is generally what we refer to when we talk about hormones that aren't natural to your body like uh Anavar for example, Oxandrolone. It's not natural to your body um and it is anabolic. It's very tissue building when combined with testosterone. It's not very tissue building when it's alone and really neither is testosterone. It kind of gets activated when you um when you have the put the anabolic with it. So, you know, testosterone is very synergistic with every other steroid um Other steroids that aren't testosterone don't work very good if testosterone isn't with them. And then testosterone doesn't really, you know, explosively really build a lot of muscle and get you that look that you see that looks really unnatural and really... um, Uh, shapely and separated and stuff without adding the anabolic. So, you know, steroids are very synergistic with each other and combining testosterone with a non-natural steroid, such as Anavar, like you're suggesting, is going to be something That's going to get you a lot more explosive performance enhancement. Anavar is very performance enhancing. It increases your strength. It increases your stamina in the gym. It increases the weights that you can lift, um, and it does it quickly. Okay. So, as far as you taking, you know, for pharmaceutical grade Anavar, Anavar that is dosed correctly, um, forty to fifty milligrams is the minimum effective dosage, and it is a, it's an effective dosage though. Uh, It's a dosage that uh, I would personally use. And uh, it's going to it's going to cause strength buildup. And that's what you're going to want to do is basically use that uh, anavar and the strength buildup that you're going to get to then uh, push the weights up in the gym. You know, if you started, you know, at the beginning of 10 weeks lifting uh, 225 for 10 reps on bench press, uh, you would want to be, you know, 10 weeks later lifting 275 for Or eight weeks later uh lifting 275 for 10 reps on bench press and then that's you know having that testosterone in there is going to help you keep on to the muscle and strength that you built combining the testosterone with anivar they're going to be synergistic the anivar is going to help you push up your strength quicker the testosterone is going to help you uh hold on to the muscle tissue more so i like the idea that you have i like the conservative approach that you're doing it looks like you're looking to do this as a lifestyle type thing using hormones as a lifestyle and generally guys who feel like that are generally the guys who are the most dedicated and they're the most uh, willing to do what is necessary to get the body they want. Um, It's really important when you are using steroids to remember that living the bodybuilding lifestyle at the same time is very important. A lot of times people get sidetracked because um, you know of thinking how powerful steroids are, and they are very powerful, but you're not gonna get the dream body that you want unless you uh, you live the bodybuilding lifestyle and take steroids, okay? So the dream body that you're looking for is gonna take diet, training, and steroids, all mixed together, all at the same time, okay? So with your approach, with the low dosage of Anavar and testosterone, and then combining those supplements, those performance-enhancing drugs, with living the bodybuilding lifestyle doing your training and your diet and taking those at the same time. That's going to help you reach your Dream body He asked also high red blood cell count. Is that a problem and would I have to donate blood? So yeah, high blood cell high red blood cells is one of the main effects of taking any uh, male hormones is they make more red blood cells so some people say Oh, you don't want to donate blood because you don't want to get rid of those red blood cells because the more red blood cells you have in your blood, the more oxygen transport you have. So you are going to be able to get more oxygen and nutrition via those red blood cells to your muscles um, and work out harder and shit like that. So there's health effects to that, though, and the the amount of uh, red blood cells that you have uh, in your blood if it's a higher number, it's called your hematocrit. That means that um, per volume, there's more red blood cells in your blood. So if you had one liter of water and you stuck 1,000 red blood cells in the one liter of water, you have a certain concentration of red blood cells in the, now that you've put into this one liter of water. Well, now when you increase that number of red blood cells to 2,000, Uh, red blood cells in the one liter of water, well now you uh, have just made that water thicker, okay? And uh, that's what you know raising your hematocrit on steroids is doing, is you have a set amount of blood, but then when you raise the red blood cell count, or your hematocrit level, then you're putting more red blood cells into that same volume of blood that you have. So your blood becomes thicker, which makes your heart have to work harder in order to push it around. Uh, this is a strain on your system. It's not healthy, and um, is it, it? You know, it's something you should take care of. And you, you know, all bodybuilders should be, you know, donating blood around you know four four to eight times a year. Um, you should you should do that. Is is it a? It's it's a smart thing to do. You know, is is it going to acutely kill you uh, if you don't do that? And you know, for one cycle, and then you know you don't give blood and. Is that gonna end up in you uh, having a heart attack and dying you know the chances of that happening are so ridiculously slim it's not even worth mentioning uh, you know it's a ridiculous thing so I'm not a doctor but uh, you know that's not something that regularly happens but this is one of those things where you know the thing with steroids and health effects is cumulative damage and that's what you have to watch out for is cumulative damage so if you're always running steroids and you've always got you know a high red blood cell count, high hematocrit, and your heart and your cardiovascular system is always having to work extra hard to push that thicker blood around. Well, you know, now you do that and you do that for years on end, you know, months on end or, you know, half the time uh, throughout the year, you know, you're having that kind of thing happens. Well, that kind of stress and that kind of uh, workload is going to lead to damage and fatigue on your organs and tissues. So... Uh, it's not something that's good to have going on you know all the time so a bodybuilder who uses steroids often and never gives blood is uh, compromising uh, some of his cardiovascular health because he's putting an unnatural strain on uh, his cardiovascular system and his heart Uh, so that would be something that you know people say and a lot of athletes they actually want more blood red blood cells they'll even go Train at high altitudes to get more red blood cells, and that's because it is performance enhancing. So, yeah, it is more performance enhancing to have a red blood, a high red blood cell count, a high hematocrit level. But is that healthy to have all the time? No, absolutely not. So, it's going to be up to you to decide how you want to balance that. And um, since you are a pretty moderate guy in general, I would say that for you in your situation, it seems like donating blood every two or three months would be something that would be good for you. And it would be something that you would wanna do. Um, I'll tell you one thing is that if you have overly red skin, if you're experiencing pink skin, um, one of the causes of that is high blood pressure. And then the other cause is high hematocrit levels because you have a lot of oxygen in your blood. So if you, Look at, around at the gym at really big guys. A lot of them will have kind of uh, a pinkish tint or a reddish tint to their skin. And that's a highly oxygenated blood. And so if you uh, want your normal skin color to come back, um, giving blood will help with that to bake your skin color, go back to the way it was when you weren't using steroids to reduce that pinkish or red tint to your skin that you see a lot of steroid users have. They need to give blood. That means they have really high hematocrit levels. <laughs> All right. Mr. Too Shiny asks, what would you recommend for a power lifter to take for a cycle in order to gain as much strength as possible over a 12-week period if weight gain wasn't an issue? Plus, if weight gain was an issue for their weight class. Okay. So the steroids that um, do not increase your body weight uh, much, uh, meaning that they don't Increase a lot of uh, fuel storage and uh, water retention uh, One of them would be definitely anivar another would be Winstrol, and Winstrol is stronger than anivar in everything that it does so Winstrol combined with uh, Testosterone high dosage testosterone is a very effective uh, strength uh, drug stack strength combination um and, and it doesn't increase your weight at all unless you're eating to make it increase your weight. Uh, something like Dianabol also, you know, is very good for increasing strength. Everyone knows that. Um, same thing with Superdraw. Same thing with Anadrol. But all those drugs increase your body weight. But out of Anadrol, Superdraw, and Dianabol, Anadrol would probably increase your weight the least. Um, but then, you know, you have drugs like... Uh, like uh, Winstral and Anavar that aren't going to increase your weight at all um, and you know the fact is is that when it comes to uh, strength, orals really, oral steroids really seem to shine in that category the only uh, injectable uh, that's really going to give you an acute increase in strength the way that some of these orals do is Trenbolone and, and yeah it is going to increase your strength uh, a lot so if somebody wants to be strong somebody wants to be lean you know have a good power to body weight ratio you know trenbolone is you know the strongest uh chemical for that it you know it's the strongest chemical for bodybuilding powerlifting really it, you know f- physique and performance enhancement you know it's very very strong and powerful and it does the things you want like um not increasing body weight uh much unless you eat for that while increasing strength power and performance in the gym um and being an injectable so uh it's very uncomfortable to take trembolone though so we're always looking for ways to not take trembolone and still get uh some of the good effects uh that it you know that somebody would want to take trembolone for so as far as that goes um yeah uh winstrol and anavar for strength without weight gain those are going to be the uh the top ones and then and then anadrol after that it is going to increase your weight but not as much as something like Dianabol or uh Superdraw. and uh, those orals are pretty much the the best strength drugs also on a side note clenbuterol increases your strength so You will notice a substantial increase in your strength if you take clenbuterol, the the weights you can lift and the amount of reps that you can do. And this isn't a steroid, it's actually a stimulant. And so what it does is it gives a fight or flight response to your body that then you are having this fight or flight response all the time. Your uh, central nervous system is extremely activated and you are better able to recruit muscle fibers and motor units. So then when you do go to the gym and you lift, um, weights, the clenbuterol uh, makes you stronger because it stimulates you so much and activates, it gives you a greater ability to use your muscles. Uh, so this is actually something that people, you know, clenbuterol is used for weight loss and fat loss. But, you know, as far as increasing your power to weight ratios, it would help here and, uh, you know, would help you to lose weight as well while becoming stronger and lifting heavier weights for more reps. Um, and then if weight gain uh, is not an issue, you don't care about gaining weight, then yeah, absolutely. Um, you'd want to use high dosage testosterone uh, with, you know, Dianabol, SuperDraw, or uh, Anadrol and eating a lot of carbohydrates. Uh, Anadrol is the standard powerlifting hormone, a stack of testosterone, uh, Nandrolone, and Anadrol. Those are the, the three standard uh, power lifting drugs that are time-tested, and that's what a lot of the Strength athletes are using. Okay. And our last question of the day is a really juicy one from Joel. Is it growth hormone that gives the 3D bubble muscle look like Jeremy Buendia and others? Like super full look. Can that look be achieved without growth? Or is that the only way? Okay. That ridiculously full uh look that looks like a bubble like you said um that is insulin okay and those kinds of gains are so transient because they are mostly storage factors the increased fuel storage and water in the muscle and that's what makes it look like that bubble look because the muscle it's you know when you say water inside the muscle that appears as muscle okay it doesn't it doesn't make the muscle soft at all Um, Does the quality look as good as uh, muscle that is primarily fiber without a lot of uh, without a lot of uh, fuel storage and water inside? No, the quality doesn't look as good, but it still does look, you know, the same as, you know, it just looks like muscle and the muscle appears to be bigger, fuller, and it's still a hard muscle being full of water. So basically what guys can do is when they take growth hormone and insulin together uh the growth hormone makes it so that their uh, fat cells are insensitive to the effects of insulin and can't take in nutrition and then they after they have the growth hormone in their blood they then inject the insulin and then they eat massive amounts of carbohydrates okay and so then the fat cells are blocked because of the growth hormone that's in their blood at the same time uh, from uptaking any of those carbohydrates and then for every gram of carbohydrates that goes into your body, two grams of water come along with it, okay? That's the rule. That's how your body functions. So when they take this insulin then and it's all going to go into their muscles because they put the growth hormone in there first, okay? And then they eat this massive amount of carbs and every gram of carbs carries the two grams of water. So they're getting a massive amount of volume uh, like jackhammered into their muscle cells, okay? And that's how you get this really just ridiculous overly full bubble looking, uh, super round, uh, muscles like that. And you'll notice a lot of times the muscles, when they look like that, it looks a little bit cartoonish. It looks a little bit cartoonish and it doesn't look quite as hard and grainy and, uh, fibrous. And it just doesn't look as permanent. It doesn't really have quite as permanent of a look to it. Just when you look at it, it looks, the quality just doesn't look quite as high, but it does look very freaky, and it's very uh, eye-catching, and it's a look that a lot of people want to have, because a lot of people don't want to look natural, they want to look like aliens, they want to look like freaky, and they're wondering, you know, how can I get that really big full look like that, and um, so the ones that have it the most, and you see these guys, they look like Bubbles, okay (laughs) that that's primarily insulin those guys are using tons and tons of insulin okay but uh a less extreme version of that which is more of a you know jeremy buendia yeah obviously he does use insulin uh but he is i wouldn't say that he's like uh you know he's got really good muscle quality too so he's not using uh high high dosages of insulin and i wouldn't say that His look is caused by insulin. I would say that insulin is a contributing factor, but equally as contributing uh, is usage of pharmaceutical grade growth hormone because it does promote a really 3D separated alien look. And it does also produce uh, that some of that round bubble look and also better uh, insulin sensitivity in the muscles and more uh, fuel storage in the muscles. And, the real thing that though that that growth hormone does is it promotes this look where there's division between each muscles. So where one muscle stops, the next muscle starts. And if you look at Jeremy Buendia, he's really, really got this look where one muscle starts, the next muscle stops. Uh, the, where one muscle stops, the next muscle starts. It's a, it's a very, very impressive look and, uh, he, he looks great. Um, and so pharmaceutical grade growth hormone is a big factor there and what you're really looking at is is a synergy of chemicals okay uh you're looking when you look at uh Jeremy Wendia when he's fully blown looking you know crazy you know the there's three there's three main things happening there okay you're looking at trenbolone you're looking at pharmaceutical grade human growth hormone and you're looking at insulin all at the same time okay and then you're also looking at genetics that are good for that. And you're also looking at diet and training that is, you know, spot on. Um, but the main thing, if you're doing those things too, you know, if you have, you know, a decent muscle shape, shape genetics, you have, uh, um, you know, your diet and training is on. And then, you know, if there's another thing that's missing, especially if you're already like using some steroids, using testosterone or something, the the main thing that's going to be separating you from him is his use of Trenbolone, insulin, and human growth hormone all at the same time producing that look. All right, you guys, this has been a presentation of the Steroids Podcast. For SARMs and research chemicals, go to neuroids.com and get 25% off legit fully dosed not bunk SARMs and research chemicals 25% off coupon code Dan that's Dan D-A-N at checkout 25% off neuroids.com if you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast. Go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions, or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.